Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. Welcome to Invested, where we're talking about Warren Buffett-style investing. We are. Aided in large part by Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner. We are diving into the basics of great investing. And I want to just make a quick point. Make the, yeah. This is not value investing. Okay. Often it's called that, and that's not a horrible thing to be called. But value investing has become its own kind of thing, very low PE kind of buying of companies. So we don't really have a great name for this. So what we call this is rule one investing, <laughs> which means Warren Buffett has two rules of investing. One is rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. And we're focusing in this style of investing on the risk rather than the reward. That's a real good way to think of it. Okay, well, uh, I have you just threw so many things out there. Okay, <laughs> so by saying that the number one rule of investing and the only real rule of investing is don't lose money, that should tell you that you're if you took it seriously rather than just sort of an obvious you know thing, um, that you would focus your investing on things that you had such a high degree of certainty about that you were very confident you weren't going to lose money. And you let the rate of return take care of itself. This is hugely important. But you just said that you focus on the risk rather than the reward, and then when you explained it, you focused on the reward rather than the risk. Uh-uh. By saying that you were so confident that you knew the investment would... Not lose would money. Would not lose money. So there's no reward in not losing money. That's a zero rate of return. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's no upside there. It's the upside will take care of itself if you take care of the downside. So what we're targeting on is companies that we're that we can understand well enough that they are what Manesh Prabhai calls a free lottery ticket. They have no downside or very little downside and maybe a lot of upside. And so when Warren Buffett is asked, you know, why did you invest in John Deere last year? He said, because in 10 years, it'll be worth a lot more than it is today. So he's kind of focused on the upside. But what he means in terms of the way he speaks about it, but what he means is it's not going to be worth less than what it is today. He's not going to okay. suffer a permanent loss of capital by investing in John Deere, in his opinion. In his opinion. Right. Now, what we're shooting at here in this, in this particular podcast is to be capable of understanding a business well enough to know that's the case. Yes, in in this episode. Yes. of our podcast. Yes, in invested. this episode. Did we did we introduce our podcast? This is invested. Yeah. The rule number one podcast. <laughs> yes. Wherein we discuss rule number one investing. I'm not sure I buy that it's not value investing, but fine. Let's go with it. It's not according to you value right. investing. Right. Right. Um and. What we are talking about, this is part four of our multi-part series. Is it now? I've lost track already. We're on part four. I've been counting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. So we're part four <laughs> of a multi-part series focused on Charlie Munger again. Focused back on to Charlie Munger. So we're calling this Back to Basics because we started out our whole podcast back in the day episodes like three through eight or something on it's probably Charlie three through Mung- 80 it's probably more three like through it. 80 on charlie munger um and his four principles of investing which he goes through very very quickly and i hope you're gonna play it again you know i'm gonna play it again i'm just i'm just 
laying it up for everybody who's right. coming in uh, in part four and, right. ha- and hasn't foolishly, obviously, hasn't listened to parts one through three. Yes. Um, so Charlie Munger gave an interview to the BBC mm-hmm. in which he describes his four principles four principles of investing very, very quickly, basically one sentence each, and yes, I'm going to play them okay, again. Okay, do it. And yes, I'm going to play all of them. Do it now, but not the part where he tells us about how it's, why it's so simple. Okay? You know what? You're going to get what you're going to get. All right, And go you're going to like it. <laughs> all right, all right so this is Charlie Munger. Do it. We have to deal in things that we're capable of understanding. And then... Once we're over that filter, we have to have a business with some intrinsic characteristics that give it a durable competitive advantage. And then, of course, we would vastly prefer a management in place with a lot of integrity and talent. And finally, no matter how wonderful it is, it's not worth an infinite price. So we have to have a price that makes sense and gives a margin of safety considering the natural vicissitudes of life. That's a very simple set of ideas. All right, so four things. Capable of understanding, got a big moat, got a good management team, got a big margin of safety. Just boiling it down here. Yeah, lay off Charlie, man. (laughs) Jeez. I love Charlie, but I've heard that a lot. So I am really, oh, by the way, I went out and got a quote from somebody else about what you were talking about last time which is like recognizing that at this point, many people who are starting out don't have <clears throat> any, like any capability of understanding anything well enough to invest in it. Yeah, well, we were talking about how you even know if you could be capable of understanding something if you're coming deeper. to something as a total newbie who has zero perspective on a subject. Right. And really has has no skills to evaluate even a capability to understand something. That's what we talked about last time. Right. And I sort of said that, you know, if you don't have any ability to do that just because you're stupid or yeah, you bas- Yes, that's basically what you said, which I take great exception to. Right. So I went on and found a really good quote about oh, are you su- Are you supporting me now? I am. Oh. So here, here it what, is. What did you find? This came in a book called um, Super Forecasting by uh, Philip Tetlock. Okay. who's a professor, and he says he, um, he said, the humility required for good judgment is not, is not self-doubt, the sense that you're untalented, unintelligent, or unworthy. So I stand corrected. That's right. So it's not self-doubt. It is intellectual humility. That's right. Which is what you said. It is a recognition that reality is profoundly complex, that seeing things clearly is a constant struggle when it can be done at all, and that human judgment must therefore be riddled with mistakes. Oh. So he's saying, be humble. Be humble because we're all flawed and we're all going to make mistakes We're going to make mistakes. We're going to overestimate our skill set. Yes. Okay. And that is true. Actually, there's a whole field of behavioral economics that posits that we as humans are extremely flawed in our brains naturally to evaluate risk. We are extremely bad at it. And there's tons of studies out there proving how bad we are at evaluating risk. Especially guys. <laughs> it's, 
I think it's overall because it's it's literally like prefrontal cortex is is evolutionarily um, optimized for like being in the savanna or being you know like living out in the wilderness as we did for millions of years and now we live in houses and we don't need to worry so much about tigers killing us and instead we need to worry about all these really complicated things and we're not very good at evaluating the really complicated things but here's the interesting part we think we are uh-huh. that's where we get in trouble so i think that he makes a really good first of all obviously he's extremely intelligent and learned since he agrees with me. <laughs> Secondly, of course. I think he makes a great point that a, a good cause of the humility is the knowledge that we're going to make mistakes. And But who found the quote? Who did that? Dad, you found the <laughs> yeah, quote. Yeah, That's right. That's right. Thank you. You're very welcome. So I, I was really kind of impressed by that because I overstepped there to make anybody think that they're not capable of doing this. You're capable of doing this. This you shouldn't. The point this guy's making is that we we shouldn't we shouldn't cast this as self doubt. You know, doubt of our ability. We have the ability, but we also have to realize that even when we get good at it, we have to be humble. And I keep thinking about snowboarding for some reason as a as a either an anecdote or a metaphor. I don't know which still. But I'm sure Definitely you'll explain it to me. Thank you. And so, <laughs> you know, where I, I snowboard, I used to, maybe not so much anymore, but I snowboard off of helicopters, you know, and so do you. And you go out onto this untracked powder and you've never been there before. And you really have to kind of suck it back a step from what you might do in home turf, you know. On, on a home... Yeah, because it's a an uncontrolled environment. It's an uncontrolled environment, and and it's not Disneyland. And same same thing and when I was working die. as a... And people do, and when they make mistakes in that kind of a place. And I've gone on trips with guides who have taken me into snowpack that was unstable, and I've stepped up on the snowpack on, on you know, on uh, skin, skinning on a snowboard, on a split board, and had it crack underneath me and drop. That's but so it didn't not, release. It just okay. sunk, you know? And so you just got to question whether the guide is taking you out one step farther than you have any business being. And so you you learn, I think, really fast to be humble. I mean, it's the same thing happened. I don't want to overplay this whole special forces thing, but the people who are out there working in special operations learn really fast that you have to really have some margin of safety built in because things are going to go wrong. There's so much uncontrolled. I mean, the guys that went in after Osama bin Laden, for example, actually didn't expect to come back. Hmm. You know, we look at now as a successful and all that, but they thought they were all going to die out there. And so, you know, they to, to push it out to that level isn't something we want any of us to be experiencing. Yeah, it's it. This isn't true in the military because you have to follow your orders in the military. But in the context of going out backcountry with a snowboarding guide or, or even with friends if you're somebody who, um, you know, who knows how to be out backcountry and you just do it on your own. Um, there's a real, but I think it's more in the context of having a guide, somebody you've paid, somebody who's supposed to know what they're doing more than you. There's a real feeling that people often succumb to of, this person knows more than me. I will follow what they say. 
And now that I'm on a, an unstable snowpack that just released underneath me, or shifted, but didn't actually release, well, it must still be okay, because the guide who I paid somewhere. money to sure. has brought me here. Sure. When actually, no, 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 that's not okay at all. And there's lots of instances of people who have instincts, and this happens particularly in the context of avalanches, and maybe I just know a lot of people who have unfortunately been around avalanches. I'm sure it's true in other contexts as well. There are lots of instances of people who have the instinct that is not really backed up in, in evidence that they can see that they're in a dangerous situation. And there are people who will pull themselves out of that situation, even though, like, you know, they dug the pit and the snow seems fine. Or they're with six friends and all six of them think it's totally cool to go ahead. And the seventh just doesn't feel right about it. And I, I know people who they're the seventh person and they'll go home. And the other six got caught in an avalanche. Mm. I mean, you hear these stories over and over and over. And so I think... I, well, it's the, it's a good context, point in this context of like having a guide. Still follow your own instincts. Well, I really want to I want do to, your own homework. Yeah, I want to step back to what we were talking about. A couple of yeah, we were talking about this. Two, I think in number two in the series. Yeah, we were talking about having a guru, having a guru, having show, a broker, having a friend, yeah. having somebody else give but you some information about a, a company. Particularly a guru. Um, who is in the deal. He's mm. put money in. He's put serious money in. Mm. He's in with a significant part of his portfolio. So it's and, someone you trust. Yep. It's somebody whose opinion you respect. Yep. It's somebody who's respected in the industry. Yep. And they've done X. So they're your guide. So there you go. Guide. You know, you're up on the mountain with this guide, yeah. and they're saying it's fine, right? So is that enough? And if that was enough, you guys, we would have stopped at lesson two. In the series, because which is if, would have been find a guide, find a guide, <laughs> and then just go and just and load in. And yeah. in fact, some amazing studies have been done on that. And you know, this sort of counters my point a bit. But <laughs> I will tell you that uh, UNLV, you know, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, did a study tracking Warren Buffett for thirty years, where they would buy the stocks that he would buy um, at the last day of the month that it was announced that he bought that stock. Mm-hmm at the worst price that day and then sell it in the month on the last day of the month that he announced he was selling it um, at the worst price that day. And they did that on everything that he bought. They didn't do any discrimination whatsoever. They just bought everything Buffett bought and they sold it when he sold it. Mm -hmm. Um, But in much worse circumstances because often he had owned it for well over 90 days by that time. Mm -hmm. So often they were buying it at a higher price and all this they still came out at just under 25% a year compounded for 30 wow, years. Wow, wow. Which would have turned, I think, $10,000 into $18 million or something. It was just some stunning, humongous thing. And, um, and of course, it's Buffett, right? They picked the right guy. So um, that kind of counters my point a tad. And my point is going to be that you have to stay within your own comfort zone. I don't think you can just give this over to a guru and say, oh, yeah, he's doing it, so I'm going to do it. 
I don't. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna disagree with you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was taking your side. Here. No, but I don't. I I'm taking your side because I don't think that that. Contradicts, but I switch sides. I don't think that contradicts your point. Okay. Good. So I don't think that that study contradicts your point that it's extremely important to do your own homework and not blindly follow a guide. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because those people at UNLV only did that after Buffett was the Oracle of Omaha. True. They only did it looking backwards. True. They didn't do it on Joe Schmo who lives in Lincoln, Nebraska, True. because Joe Schmo isn't famous because he probably didn't do that well. Right. They did it on somebody who did extremely well, so they picked the right guy in with total hindsight clarity. That's not possible to do today. Like, yes, I can look at some gurus. You have a number of people you watch who um, who are investing large amounts of money, and we could do what they're what they're doing, but we don't actually know if what they're doing is going to work. That's true. That's so, true. So I don't think it's actually comparing the right. Um, cases. Okay. Well, I think that's that's a good point. So we, we can say that we must know that we're capable of understanding this business. And we're starting out with the basic idea that maybe we don't know that we're capable of understanding anybody's business. So we're, we talked last time about a fat pitch where you have all these places in the strike zone where if the ball comes there, you can hit the ball. But that when we're starting out, we have no places in the strike zone where we can hit the ball with confidence. So yeah. we're just starting to learn. Yeah, and maybe in that situation, just watch pitches for a while. Yeah, or play t-ball. I don't know how far to push this. <laughs> I don't but, know either. <laughs> you know, you just put the ball on a little tee and whack it. And even then, you sometimes can't hit the ball because you're just learning, right? But you want to, the point being, you want to make it as simple as possible at, at the beginning. You want to just have it be what Buffett calls a fat pitch or what he says is a two-inch bar that you have to jump over. So, so that you know that when you're going to do this that you have something that you're very confident you'll be successful with. This idea of being capable of understanding the business, there's some things I wanted to throw at you here okay. to see if you like, that, that these may help you decide that it's an obvious decision. It's a two-inch bar. Because when we're first starting out, you might think there's just no obvious decisions, right? So the first thing is, what are we looking for? We're looking for something that won't violate rule number one. It won't lose us any money. There won't be any permanent loss of capital. That this business down the road 10, 15 years is going to be worth more than it is today. Even if two years from now it isn't. Two years from now it's down 50%. But 10 years from now, it's going to be worth more than today. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the first step. Now, how is that a step? Well, you just, that's your goal. That's where you're, it's not a step. It's where you're aiming. Okay. So when you know you've got that, then that's a fat pitch. Okay. That's a free lottery ticket. So it's, am I, what do I need to know to know that is kind of some of the things I want to talk about. Yeah. And I'm not talking about growth rates. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about... Because it sounds like you are. I know, but it's not. I'm talking about, am I competent in this industry? Well, I already know, I already know that I'm not competent in that industry. Okay, so... So we don't need to... <laughs> so just listen to, the, listen, <laughs> to this kind of, listen to this list of things, okay? Okay. okay? That you need to get to before you can say yes to something. Okay. So am I competent in the industry? 
do I have a, like, think of it like this, do I have a core, not am I just competent, but do I have a core competency? It's another way Buffett says it. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I really understand this. So I'm going to give you some ideas about how to know that. Um, is my understanding basic or is it deep? In other words, do I, quote, understand the industry because I shop there? Mm -hmm. That's pretty basic. basic, yeah. not deep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so here's some things that I think are good. Will I enjoy reading extensively about this company and this industry? Oh, that's a good question. See? So if you're thinking of Whole Foods, will you enjoy reading about Whole Foods and natural foods and the revolution and what John Maggie's done and how he came about doing it? And would that be fun? Yeah. Okay. So that's a, that's a really important question. Would I... Here's another version of it. Would I rather play golf or watch TV than read about this business? Always. <laughs> no. <laughs> so. <laughs> Better look for another industry. Because we're no. looking for that one pitch we can hit, okay? I mean, you're, it's a... Uh, there are so many things that are more fun than doing this right now. Like, I'm not into this at this stage. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yes. Mm. I would much rather be doing lots of things. Okay, I'll ask it an easier way. Okay. Is doing due diligence, you know what due diligence is because you're a lawyer, but everybody might not. So you want to tell them what due diligence is? So due diligence is essentially finding out about the very basic nuts and bolts of something. Like, what is their organization? What are their financials? Um, do they have... So in a legal context, like, do they have their contracts buttoned up? All but, it, of them? but they call it due diligence. Is that D-O diligence? D-U-E. All right. So like why is it it's D-U-E? Due, it's, it's just required. It's required So there's a diligence. certain level that you certain have to Certain level have. of information yeah. that you just have to have. Okay. So here's the question. This is easier than would you rather watch TV. <laughs> is due diligence on this business... Fun or a root canal? Due diligence is, is always a root canal. <laughs> no. No. Is it ever you fun can't. for you? Yes. Really? I love due diligence on some businesses. It's like detective work to me. I'm detecting. It's like it I'm is digging like in. It is like detective work. I do like that part of it, though. Um, if due diligence is always a root canal... You need to give someone else your money and forget about this. No, I totally disagree. Oh, oh man. I think really, if you really think that reading up on any company in any industry, all of them, there's no exceptions to this. If that's a root canal, this is not, you're not going to keep up with this. Reading about a company is not due diligence. Due diligence is having a checklist of items and making sure every single one of those things is filled in in extreme detail. That's due diligence. Oh, God, that's a root canal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I... I'm asking a lawyer about due diligence. What a doofus I am. <laughs> I just thought you were a normal human being there for... I forgot. No, you You're forgot a lawyer. I'm not a normal human being. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I need to just call this something else. <laughs> doing your homework. Doing, your, doing homework. your homework. Now, that will speak to nerds everywhere. Okay, good. Doing I your do homework. I do enjoy doing my homework. Fun or a root canal? 
is um, let's even make it easier. It's not even homework. That connotes badly for lots of us. I hated homework. Is reading about this business fun or a root canal? That's the deal. That's what you're trying to get That's at. what I'm trying to get at. And you're calling it all these terrible yeah, things. Yeah, really horrible because of such a different definition issue. So I just want to talk about reading about this business. Just uh, reading some stories. So when just I'm, when I'm looking at, I was looking at Burlington Northern years ago, right? What do so they do? I, well, I heard Buffett was buying it and I checked it out and he was. He was buying into Burlington Northern. They're a railroad uh, company and they run track from Wyoming to Atlanta and from Long Beach to Chicago. So okay. I started reading about it. Okay. And it was, I'd never read about railroad companies before. So I just went on Amazon and I started downloading books that were about either Burlington Northern specifically or any of the competitors out there, um, railroad companies in general. And I learned about the container industry, and, which led me I to mean, the, the railroad history in the U.S. is fascinating. Oh, my God. It's bloody and fascinating. Yeah. It's really amazing what they did. So... Maybe that's something you could think about when you're thinking about an industry is to get into it with the history of the industry from a starting point. I think so it's that's fun. a great point. I mean, like I studied religion in college and I always thought of it as really studying history, but through the lens of religion. Yeah. And I, I think that's true of a lot of disciplines. You're really just finding out what's what's up. What's been happening? Well, I think what's we the discovered deal? Where something. Where did it come here? from? This, I think if you like you know, kind of like an, an adventures in history, almost every industry that you're going to look at has adventures in history. And and, and so many of them are not very pretty, you know? Yeah, and it might so, be more recent really history, and it might be more yeah. far-off history. Yeah. So let's let's go with that. Let's say, is, let's say the major question to ask yourself as you're going to be an investor is... Is reading about this business fun for me, or is this a root canal? And if it's a root canal and there's no business that's fun to read about, if it's all root canals, then I'm going to suggest you probably give your long-term retirement money to somebody else, let them manage it, uh, or just buy indexes yourself, or go to Betterment or you know one of the robo-advisors and have them do it. Um, and maybe you can learn to trade and have fun trading, which doesn't require all the same kind of due diligence. But I mean, I just think that's kind of a weird thing to say because, really? yeah, because we're just, again, in the state, like you're kind of, you're moving awfully fast towards in a, towards a conclusion okay. and we're still in the question mark stage of, am I even capable of this? Like, let's assume I'm not. That's where we are. Okay, We're so, so you're going to assume not. you're going to assume that and you would you've not gone have from, fun. And now you've gone from just literally in your own mind. Would it be fun to read about this industry? And let's assume that because I have zero experience in this, I'm going to think it's not fun to read about any industries. And then somebody hands me a book on the history of nutmeg and all of a sudden the spice industry in the 1600s is actually fascinating now i wouldn't have known that until i read that book there is actually a book about the history of nutmeg which i found fascinating and i read it on vacation once and ever since then i've thought like think of all the things in the world 
that all you need is somebody who's a decent storyteller to describe the history of to you. I mean, it's like that with the... Like, you said Burlington Northern a minute ago, and I was like, I do not want to hear about Burlington Northern. But then you connected it to the railroad history, and that is actually a fascinating American story. So, my point is, maybe with a little bit of investigation, we then have... So, this is what I was saying earlier, right? you got to have a little bit of experience in order to have an inkling of whether or not you're capable of understanding something, but you can't do that without a little experience. So, maybe you, it requires a little bit of investigation before saying... Oh, this industry is like the most boring thing in the world. I don't want anything to do with it. Well, I'm tr- I'm still trying to figure out what's the trigger point, right? And maybe you know that would cause somebody who, t- starting with your starting point, which is there's no pitches that I could hit. Um, yeah, because I'm a beginner and it's okay. Okay, but then you gotta be willing to begin for a reason. Yeah, right? I have an I have an an, an earnest view towards spending some time to determine if this is for me. Okay. That just seems rather vague. It is vague. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some... I don't know. If you guys are sitting out there listening to this, you have to think, is that enough for you to get really interested in doing this, or do you need some other kind of a trigger? Something, I mean, obviously, here's, obviously, obviously, we all need to get interested in it. What we're trying to discuss here is how do you get interested in it? I mean, so many people come to our workshops, and the trigger that they've got for hundreds of people a month coming in here is that they don't want to be broke when they're retired. They mm-hmm. want control of their financial life. They want their kids to have a good college, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how old you are, mm-hmm. right? So these are strong, strong triggers of a positive nature and a negative nature, right? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I really, I really, the pain of being broke is going to be really severe. Yes. And the pleasure of seeing my kids be able to be whatever they want to be because we can give them the advantages money brings would be phenomenal. And the ability to be self-sufficient until I die. Yes, those are the all joy of that. Very important. Strong impetus to get into this. Yes, it's and a then push the, and a pull. And then the one that you really got going on was the fact that somebody else is taking your money and voting with it. Yes. For what the world looks like tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. I want to do that and they're myself. All, they're all voting for Trump, or they're all voting for Hillary. Those are all just reasons voting to do something about your financial future. Yeah. The question is, what is the something? And what we're talking about is whether or not the something should be me investing my own money. Right. So let's say that you are studying on how to do this. We've talked about finding things. But you're, you're going a step even further back. I mean, you're going back so far, I don't know where you are. <laughs> I'm, I have no idea where you're headed back to at this point. I mean, you're not even going to try to find anything because you just so completely don't know anything at all and don't have... I mean, I'm lost. Where are you with this? Okay. That's because you are consistently trying to, like, draw lines in the sand and throw people out of this. And I'm saying, no, no, no. Stay in a little longer because I have done this and you got to stay in a little longer. 
So where you start is you find a company by doing the finding things that we talked about. Find a company that's interesting to you. The next thing is, am I capable of understanding this company? How do you know that? The way you know that, I think, is to have a little bit of experience around it. Let's assume we have none. How do you get a little bit of experience? I think it's exactly what you just said, which is read about it a little bit. That, actually, it's not what you said. What you said is imagine reading about it and decide if you would hate it. And then if you would, then don't read anything. And, and what I think I would do, actually, is try to read about it a little bit and actually try it and get some experience. And then with that experience, make a decision. Okay, I got a better place to start than that. Okay. I mean, maybe you shouldn't even think about an industry unless you're already absolutely using it in some way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I get, you're right. I'm presupposing that in the original choice of company. Like dump everything at the beginning that you're not already substantially familiar with. So the fact that Warren Buffett's buying Phillips Petroleum, throw it out. You don't know anything about pipelines and refineries. Oh, I would. Trust me. Gone. Okay. The fact that Danielle just bought Whole Foods, throw it out. I You've didn't never just been buy, to a grocery store. I didn't store. just buy Whole Foods, so oh. let's be clear okay. about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yes, but the fact that I talk about it constantly, yeah. throw it out. Throw it out. Gone. Because you don't go to grocery stores. Somebody else does. Somebody else does. All right. But there's something you do, all right? And that something has public companies that do that something or make that something or provide that something service. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, you can't be in this life listening to this podcast without being surrounded by stuff that public companies make that you are currently using. You're Absolutely. wearing it, you're driving it, you're refueling with it, you're, you're reading it, you're, I mean, you're working with it. In some way or another, you're deeply involved with hundreds of public companies. I'll give you two really easy ones, since right. most people listen to this on their phones. There you Apple go. Apple and Samsung. There you go. Both public. Both public. And both of them very good companies that you may or may not be able to understand. Yeah. But there's a starting point, okay? So then you start looking for... I think maybe just start with Apple if that's what you got in your hand and that's the only thing that pops up. I mean, I think that's awesome. It's a yes. good starting point. Start with anything. Who start cares? Start with anything, right? Yeah. Start with anything. You're going to get on a snowboard. doesn't have to be a burden. doesn't have to be the best thing in the world. doesn't have to be the one you're going to use when you stop your life. Just get on it and get on the snow with an instructor, hopefully. Right, that'll guide you through this step by step. And your instructor is going to be Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, one of these great investors, okay? And those guys are gonna help you with these basic ways of looking at investing that we're talking about right now. And so you start getting into Apple, and what you, what, first you gotta use the product. I like this, I feel really soothed by this plan. Okay, good. So you, you, you're using the iPhone, why? Right? So start asking why. Why do you use it? Go to an Apple store. Ask people oh, why they're that. there. That's experience that doesn't involve reading. That does not involve reading. Hey. You're just going to get hands on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go to the Apple store. Is it empty or is it full? Right? So let's just take, for example, you go to the Apple store. It's packed with people mm -hmm. all the time. Like people are waiting in line for the doors to open. I've been to them when they're doing that. I'm trying to get in to get the thing done. Waiting in line. I go to New York, 
New York City, Fifth Avenue, people are touring in touring buses <laughs> to come to the Apple Store. Because that's the one that's like a glass it's cube, It's a glass right? cube, and you go downstairs. It's right on Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And then you go downstairs, and it's a sea of people. It looks like Filing's basement on the day they chop everything to $10. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've never seen so many people in a store in my life. You cannot move without brushing by somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's a big store. Mm-hmm. Okay? That tells you something. Something's going on there. All right. Then you need to read. You're going to need to read about Steve Jobs. Read. Maybe you read his biography. Read, yeah. Read, his, read. What's the author's name of that? Ivy. Isaacson? Isaacson. Yeah. Read Jobs. Yeah. J-O-B-S. And you start to get an idea about this company. And somewhere along in there, you may discover that you really grok it. Yeah. You really. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> I love that word. So you really get it. You get Apple and you get everything about it and you start to feel like this isn't really a technology company. This is a consumer products company. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is not a business that has to be at the bleeding edge of technology or it's not going to succeed in the future. It has a locked-in switch moat that's huge and deep and it has a gigantic brand moat that's huge and deep. And there are, you know, there are literally millions and millions and millions of people around the world who just buy Apple products. They're done. They're done shopping for anything else. Or maybe you think there are millions and millions of people who, now that Steve Jobs is no longer around to guide the company, are going to drop Apple like a hot potato and everyone's going to switch to the latest new phone no problem at all. And you recently switched from an Apple to something else. Right. And you think lots of other people are going to do that too. And the company's going to go down in flames, right. like it already did once. Right, exactly. Two different perspectives. Right. So one person is starting to arrive more with more and more comfort about the long-term view of this. Very comfortable that twenty years from now this will be worth more than it is today. Another person is saying it's already worth five hundred billion dollars. It's it's it can't grow. It's the law of large numbers. It's you know there's all these things wrong, and you keep digging until that company either goes in the too hard box or you decide you're going to buy it. Those are the two, or no, three well, things. Well, can't it go Either in- too hard, which you can't figure it out. Yeah. No, because it's not a wonderful business on sale. Or actually, there's four boxes. <laughs> too hard. <laughs> wonderful business. Put it on the watch list because it's not on sale. Wonderful business on sale, in which case you buy it. Or just no. Did I cover no already? I don't know, but that that makes sense. Because I was going to say, what if you really like it, but like the price isn't there right now? Yeah, just yeah. watch list it. Watch list it. And someday it'll go on sale. See, now, okay, <clears throat> let's forget all of my psychobabble from earlier. This makes sense to me. Like, and, okay. and by the way, let's forget all of the, if you'd rather have a root canal than read financial reports, then go find a broker. Like, that's not true either, right? Um, right? 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 All right. If you'd rather have a root canal than read financial reports, fair enough. That's in that kind of... And by the way, when you've never read a financial report... Yeah, they're pretty we root all, canal-y. We all... Yes. Yeah. We all think that. Yeah. True. Um, it's not a novel. But if you... But the great point that this you point, just made is there are so many ways to get information. That's what I was going to say. On this point, you might want to have a root canal rather than read Apple's 10K. Yeah. But reading the Jobs biography is fascinating it to is. you. Yeah. yeah. So okay. going to the Apple store is fascinating. Going to the to Apple you. store. 
using Apple products are right. fascinating to right. you. Talking to your friends about whether or not the latest OS update crashed their phone is fascinating right. to you. Okay. Then, right. then you read the 10K because, oh my gosh, you've got all this context now. And now it's all now it's down all into its tidiest little tight And it's bundle. like, look at these people who I've only been reading about, Johnny Ive and who's the CEO yeah, Tim guy? Cook. Tim yeah. Cook. Um, oh, look, like they're writing to me about their plans, which is literally true. They are writing to investors about their plans exactly. in the 10K. And all exactly. of a sudden, the 10K gets really interesting. Yeah, yeah okay. That was brilliant. And then you have enough experience, I think, to have a sense of if you're capable of understanding. Okay, now you're companies. teaching me stuff. No, no, no. I'm yes, just you. You, you, you transformed all of my worry and 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 worry and more worry and then some worry on top of that, that <laughs> into something good. that could work. Yeah, that was very good. No, it was very. All good. Right. I think we had to wrap it up right here. Then let's talk about. I think we should wrap it up while we're agreeing. Yeah, I do. do. <laughs> and then let's let's talk about in the fifth part of the series. Part five. Part five. Let's talk about the things that make a company durable, which we will have to study in order to fully understand it. Is, are we moving past capable of understanding? I think I think we're going to have to work with capable of understanding in another context to okay. get more at it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Till then, time to go play. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting all you got to do yo, is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.